everyone, this is Saya. This is Forma. And this is our weekend catch-up for While You Were Sleeping, Week 3, Episodes 9 to 12. We'll be diving deep into spoiler territory, so you'll be warned. Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. And the very first thing we want to talk about is Wotak's theory. So basically, uh, Wotak's theory is that uh, because he's figured out that uh, he dreams of Jechen and Jechen dreams of Hongju, uh, and he thinks that the reason they dream of that person is because they had a near-death experience and uh, somebody saved their life and the person who saved their life is the person that they dream about so he actually brings up to Jechen oh you know Hongshu must have saved your life and of course uh, he has no idea that this is the case because he thinks that it was a boy who saved his life because of uh, Hongju's um, tomboyishness when she was yeah yeah, yeah. exactly which um, is a it's a pretty encompassing theory, I think, and it makes stuff make sense. So I'm glad that we've got it. It looks like it's it's the rule. Yeah, the working theory is actually uh, pretty believable uh, within the parameters of this world, and I like that Butak came up with it because he's the investigator between them. So yeah, yeah, I just yeah, I like that these characters are smart and that they're good at mm-hmm. their jobs. Like all three of them are pretty good at their jobs. And they're like analytical thinkers and they put stuff together. They're not, you know, like you say, they're smart. Yeah, exactly. But sad things happened to him this week. Yeah. <laughs> Cry with me. What did they do to our baby? <laughs> with poor thing, he, to go through a near-death experience and then to be stabbed like that, that was... yeah. He's like the puppiest puppy who ever puppied. Who really <laughs> ships you with Jay-chan. He's like the biggest shipper... Oh, I know, right? Like, how he was smiling when he made sure that those two could walk away safely uh, from that situation where the the boys from the campus were uh, chasing after them. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, like, the typical setup would be that he'd be, like, a a bee lead and a love rival, but he's, like, he's not at all. He's their biggest shipper. It's so great. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I don't think he would have had any issues if... There was this fake connection between uh, Jaychan and him. He would have been, he would have gotten along with it. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so actually. So we hope. But that, back to serious business, right? Yeah. That uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he's gonna, uh, he, he's not going to leave us this soon in the uh, series. I'm pretty sure. He's I refuse to entertain the fact that uh, the possibility that he might die. He cannot die, and everyone else can die, but he can't. Like, there is way too much story that could possibly hinge on him. I, I really need him to stay and keep our flying dragons team intact. Okay, so, I have to say, yeah. that moment when he's lying in the pool of blood and, like, you know, you get, like, a, a, a cold fear strikes your heart and you're like, someone is going to die because she does kill people in her dramas, right, Parkerian? Yeah. So now you have to think about who is she going to kill. Not the fucking... Though she went for the kittens... So I don't trust her anymore. Oh my goodness, I was so sad about the kittens. I, you don't understand. I was, I was so delighted that there was someone feeding kittens, and then she did this. I'm you know, every time, every time a cat comes up in a drama, I screen cap it. It's just like, don't ask me why. Yeah. I just do. So I have like, I have a little, uh, potentially a folder that is like Cats of Drama Land, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna post this on Twitter. And then the end of the episode, they were all lying dead in the road. I, I only forgive this writer because it's very clear that the writer actually loves animals. So, for once, it's not a dog, okay? I know, I know that sounds bad, but for once, it's not a dog. Uh, moving <laughs> on. I, if somebody yeah. touches Robin, th- that will like, seriously piss me off. 
Okay. It can't happen. Yeah. It must not happen. So, Hongju, uh, I am really enjoying this, uh, like getting to know more about Hongju's backstory, why she left her job. And this makes complete sense. I was kind of afraid that something horrible had happened already, which is what made her leave her job. But this is even more complicated that she thought that the dream of her uh, sort of dying uh, on on her job was irreversible that it was absolutely going to come true so she got scared and she left her job but then jay chan comes into her life and she sees the possibility that the future is not set in stone that it's not concrete that maybe she could change it too and uh, the thing is that it occurs to me like while hongju was trying to convince her mom that maybe she can change the future too so she should sort of her mom should accept her going back to her job that she has changed the future like every time she meets jay chan uh, with an umbrella to prevent him from getting wet or you know uh, waking him up on his stoppage so uh, at a stoppage so he doesn't get late for work she's changing the future these are small actions that she's doing confidently to change the outcome that she had dreamt and now we can argue that jay chan was in, in both of these situations but what she changed was so obvious that she just went and made sure that that thing didn't happen it kind of felt mm-hmm. like she had experience doing this like when she went and prevented that uh, that the, coffee girl yeah, barista coffee girl from getting burnt that was a very common sensical thing to do it it beggars belief that she has never done something like this before uh, we have seen uh, an instance where uh, she and her mom she tried to change one of the horrible features that she dreamt of when that rude customer with the lighter kind of got uh, burnt up in the gas station he had uh, a similar lighter in his car even though Hongju's mom had taken uh, his away she couldn't prevent his death so the idea that we got from that was that no matter what she did the future was going to happen anyway but on the other hand you know that thing with the uh, at, at the university that that was so how, how is it that future didn't change and uh, get that girl burnt anyway Thanks. Actually, I don't see that as fallacy. I think that works out quite well. And actually, I think it adds uh, a really interesting layer to the rule because um, there's two sort of two heads for this. So uh, on the first hand, you're saying um, why uh, why was she able to save Coffee Girl, um, and and why wasn't she able to save uh, Lighter Guy? So the thing here is that basically it's saying choice is important. Lighter Guy chose not to listen to her. He had a choice to listen but he chose not to and that must have been her experience in the past whenever she tried to change things the people that she tried to uh interfere interferes at the right interfere with the people she tried to intervene with um didn't accept uh her intervention um so that was their choice to make so she can't interfere with people's agency she can only tell them and then it's up to that person to decide whether or not they're going to act on what she said. And what happened with Coffee Girl is she didn't actually say anything to Coffee Girl. She went in and uh, directly uh intervened in that situation like she did something. Um and I think so perhaps she's had a misunderstanding about her abilities all this time as well for that reason. So that's why I don't see that as a fallacy. And the other thing is that again Coffee Girl's situation made really clear is that though she saved Coffee Girl's life uh does fate demand a life anyway does fate demand some other price because you, we then saw the thing with the cats and yeah 
But mm-hmm. if you remember, uh, Soyun's father, uh, she prevented him falling out of the uh, apartment. Like she prevented mm-hmm. that entire tragedy with Soyun's father by um, uh, triggering the fire alarm. She was the one who did it. Jae Chang didn't do anything. Like mm-hmm. in her head, she's thinking Jae Chang's the one changing these, but she changed that. She made yeah, exactly. sure that everybody uh, evacuated the building. So she is changing the future. It just I don't understand why it's she is so stuck on the idea that she can't. She has dreams every night though. Has she really not been able to change any of these? I think perhaps what she thinks is it's not she doesn't perhaps think uh, I can't change it she thinks I can't save people because she's seen like every time she tries to save someone in front of her eyes you know she can't save them like like a guy um so uh, she I think this is like a, a, fl- a flaw in her thinking that uh we're being uh shown kind of almost like an unreliable narrator not in in the actual proper sense in the uh, uh, what is it in the traditional sense but she doesn't know everything so we can't trust what she tells us that's her her perception of her abilities but we're actually being shown something different in the reality and I think that's also part of how the story is progressing is that she is realizing that she can do stuff but it does scare me to think uh, because what they uh, made a point of particularly in these episodes is that Though you make one change that saves people in the reality that you see, there's a hidden reality where uh, something else changes. Like, you know, the, the idea that does fate demand, uh, demand a price. So, yeah. that scares me a little bit. Yes, but the, the thing that the girl said, the coffee girl, about her arm feeling like it's burning. Yeah, exactly. So, the phantom sensation. Yeah, and yeah. Utek about how he felt in that moment that he died. Both and how Jishan himself, yeah, exactly, like drowned. Yeah. yeah. So, so they all go through the. Do you think? What about Soyun's dad? Like, actually, now if you think back on that scene where he's looking down at Utek when he's alive, do you think that in that moment he imagined he felt that feeling of dying? It, it, I think he might have. That would make sense. But dude, I, I really look. He would not feel grateful towards anyone. So hopefully, he's not going to not, get dreamer. Not great. No, yeah. I mean, because uh, uh, Utek was saying that those two things came together. That feeling of wanting to repay that person, not just escaping death, but like Coffee Girl felt that sensation. Wouldn't Soyun's dad have also felt that sensation of having fallen out? Because the way he stood there, it seemed like he was feeling something. Maybe. Which like say, makes sense looking at it in hindsight. I I suppose so, but I don't think this works for just anyone because in that case, I mean, Coffee Girl would I, I don't know again go through something similar. So would she get some kind of extended powers too? I think for now, I, it's a I don't think theory. they would. I don't think they would, but I think they uh, like it's not uh, having that experience of feeling like you've gone through a, a near death experience is not. Uh, uh, what is uh, co- uh, causally connected to the uh, dreaming? Like the dreaming is a combination of circumstances that includes the near-death experience, but not the near-death experience only doesn't predispose you to the dreaming. Okay. I think. Yeah. So for now, it's a working theory that I like, but it also doesn't explain why uh, Hongju dreams because she dreams about everyone and about people she's never met. So clearly she's not particularly grateful to any one person and we don't know if she's been through any near-death experiences. So 
Okay. I think hers is kind of the point of origin. Like, there's there's no explanation for hers. I hope there is some explanation given at some point, but for right now, I'm really happy with how they are managing the explanation. They're just giving us enough to keep our appetite whetted. Um, I think it's uh, okay even if they never explain Hongju's uh, powers. Like, as long as we have the explanation for the others, I'm okay with not knowing why she has that power, because that's kind of the supernatural part of it. Because we were deliberately introduced to the green umbrella first in the dream, and then uh, we were shown that this is uh, Yubom's umbrella, or at least this is an umbrella he's holding. Yeah. So you're meant to make that association, but I do think it's potentially a red herring. And uh, another reason why I, th- I would say uh, I would be more sure of that is because I think Yubom definitely proved this uh, uh, in uh, this week that there's something redeemable in him. He's not evil. He's bad, but he's not evil. Like, he's not fundamentally dead inside. I don't know. I don't think anybody is fundamentally dead inside unless you're a completely one-faceted villain. Um, I think that the thing that makes Yubom scary is that he can feel guilty, he can feel dirty uh, being associated with the serial killer. But uh, he would still go along with it and do it. Now, I don't actually blame his profession because even a killer needs a lawyer so the prosecutor can do his job. So... His, his profession, even though this side of it could be unsavory, he's right when he says, says that it's not his, it's not on him if the killer goes out and kills somebody else. But on the other hand, he would uh, choose money over, you know, potentially losing a client. Like greed and ambition is a higher thing for him than any kind of moral. Um, Cleanliness, I suppose. I think it doesn't occur to him that he could say no. And um, I found like this whole situation. Firstly, when Yubom takes the case, you're not surprised because you expect this from him because you know he's a he's a, what is it called? He's an underhanded kind of person. But what we you know when you see him in the bathroom afterwards, when he's like desperately t- trying to scrub off you know the out damn spot moment, scrub off the. A uh, touch of uh, kit- kitten killer, cat killer, <laughs> kitten killer. In that moment, like that, that expression on his face in that moment is self-loathing. Like it, it's not simply, it's not a simple emotion of like, oh, what did I just do? It was a, a deep self-loathing. Uh, he feels uh, like compelled, like it's a compulsion to do his job well, uh, at you know, at any cost. That's his philosophy. As a, as a as a practitioner of the law, and the other thing that uh, makes it even more interesting is don't forget that he was a prosecutor for a long time and a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I suppose we don't know how long, but he was a prosecutor and he was a good one. And he was he put the guys like him away. So to now help a guy like that get off when he's uh, you know when he's uh, full of the knowledge of his guilt, that's like it, I think it fundamentally twists 
something inside him that like it, it's given him pause for thought but also like what you're saying what he said to the prosecutors afterwards absolutely correct he did his job the, uh, you know if they had done their job properly he wouldn't have been able to get them off yeah. uh, to get the guy off so it was their fault and it wasn't his fault he oh, did his job to the best of his ability they should have done that yeah and what jay chan was asking him to do was a violation of his client's privacy even though the case had ended he was still not at liberty to give away information like that to the prosecution prosecutor's side then nobody would trust their lawyer yeah like yeah yeah so sad but uh, it, i'm totally on board with you hum on this one uh, and also, justified yeah. justified yeah yeah uh, and also it's really Good, nice to see uh, that that both our heroes and our potential antagonists um, are all very competent and smart. Very mm. good at their job. So yeah, I said that. And complicated, like their morals are complicated, their values yeah. are complicated, and they're not uh, they're not black and white. They're very um, like. You can't predict what they'll do in any given moment, not because they have shaky values, uh, shaky moral cores, but because um, because you know pretty well what their values are. But be- because you know what their values are, you don't quite know what they'll do next. But so the last thing you wanted to talk about was the probably the, one of the funniest scenes, uh, the Grace. Yeah, only okay, I can't think of a single thing to say about it. <laughs> Well, you wanted to talk about um, how we, like, we talked in the last couple of weeks about how Jeshen is a guy who doesn't want to rock the boat. Yeah, so he, his he's a he's a guy who treads the middle path. He wants mm-hmm. a normal life. Like he resents his father for making the brave choice and leaving his family fatherless. So he wants to be safe. He wants to, you know, not take too many risks. But I, I think. instinctively he's not a person who just goes along with uh, conventions like you remember the first day on his job he refused to call uh, himin uh, he refused to address himin formally because she was a junior in college he just kept on trying to uh, call her uh, by her name and she would not answer it was ridiculous but the thing is it's not like he didn't get enough hints everybody told him that she wants you know a certain kind of formality he didn't want to give in and then when uh, the the his boss i think he's just stubborn he's stubborn <laughs> he's stubborn but you know that like, you can be stubborn in different ways his stubbornness is about not wanting to give up a part of himself something i wouldn't say something he believes in but something that he identifies with he has a fixed wanna, idea about yeah yeah exactly like he does not uh he he doesn't follow any faith so he's not going to lie about it even though it means that he gets basically you know shunted out of the click that the rest of the prosecutors are formed oh there there is one more really funny point i wanted to <laughs> Yeah. Just quickly, quickly mention. Uh, you know when uh, Hongju when uh, Hongju's mum invites the boys to come for breakfast, and um, Hongju is in the bathroom and calling out all sorts of embarrassing things about her hairy legs, and, and then she comes out and she's like, "Oh, there are boys here," and then and then she returns to the bathroom with the utmost dignity. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> like let's live life like that. <laughs> oh God, yeah, and, and she gets them back good, like. Oh God! Yes, the when he's like all like you know spiffy and cleaned up and styled out and wearing nice clothes while he's vacuuming and pretending to be nice to his brother. Yeah. It's like, and then he remembers that she's only seen him at his worst, and 
he suddenly realized that this is the very moment that she was referring to back when uh, she mentioned that to him. Yeah, so she's like, oh my god, she saw this already. (laughs) Yeah, like, don't act like you're so clean, I know for real. (laughs) And uh, and that's a good place to wrap for this week. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Subscribe and uh, comment below to let us know how you felt about uh, Hongzhou Bojang and J-Chan's adventures this week. And Robin. And Robin, yeah. (laughs) And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.